0: For your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, December 14th, 2015. So the uh, new Star Wars movie comes out this week and all of the seeker-driven vision casting leaders are just trying to figure out how to capitalize on Star Wars and draw a big crowd. Yeah, I, I didn't even mention Star Wars in my sermon yesterday. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to <clears throat> open up our Bible and check. Fact check. That's kind of the idea. Put what people are saying back in context in the scriptures and to test to see if what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-proclaimed apostles, apostolates, self-proclaimed vision-casting leaders and those put forward by the evangelical industrial complexes, those who we need to be listening to, whose you know, books we need to be buying, whose stuff we need to be studying instead of the Bible in our small group Bible studies to see if what they're actually teaching us is sound, biblical, historic, orthodox, Christian doctrine, rightly handling God's word, or if they're twisting it, mangle it mangling it, generally teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. You kind of get the idea here. So, like I said at the very, very opening of the program, this is uh, Star Wars week, and I know, you know there's a lot of people out there super excited. I mean, when I was a kid, I was really into Star Wars, and you know, and then I grew up. You know, um, that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, not going to go see the movie. I will. I'm, I'm, I'm more or less going out of curiosity to see if they can somehow <laughs> salvage. The the franchise, after the damage done by George Lucas with the release of 1, 2, and 3, which were just total train wrecks. I mean, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm a little jaded. I mean, I just think episode 1 in particular is... Uh, 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 and that whole Jar Jar Binks character... Uh, uh. Yeah, <laughs> don't even get me started on that. But yeah, I mean, that they were just, just poorly done. I mean, so much potential just wasted. But yeah... I don't know if you noticed this, George Lucas cannot seem to write dialogue to save his life. But anyway, so, you know, I'm excited to see what kind of the next thing is and stuff like that. But um, movies are um, entertainment. Yeah, that's what they is. They they be entertaining. That's the idea. You know, when when the wife and I are looking for an evening out, you know, we go out to a nice restaurant. We go to see a movie. You know, things. It's entertaining. It's nice to get out of the house and put work behind you and leave the heretics on the laptop. You you, you get what I'm saying? So, you know, um, but when we go to church, yeah, um, you know, we kind of work from the idea that if we're ambassadors of the kingdom of God and God is making his appeal through us, you know, uh, to let everybody know that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, you know, that kind of stuff. That if uh, if we as Christians are ambassadors, when the church gathers together, and notice the language I'm using, you know, I'm saying the church is not the building, although you can call a building a church, technically, you can do that. That's one of the legitimate ways in which you can talk about it. But I think of the higher way of talking about it is the church is the body of Christ. It is those who've been brought to penitent faith in Christ. When the church gathers, all right, the building we gather in is, well, we'd like to think of it as an embassy, you know, And so the idea is is that if the church is an embassy, well, just like if you were to go to the British consulate in uh, Washington, D.C., as soon as you step through the gates onto the property of the British consulate, you are no longer in the United States of America. You are in territory that is considered part of Great Britain. Same thing in a church. Same thing applies in a church. So as soon as we enter the door, if you would, and we as the church have gathered, well, we being ambassadors, that's the embassy. We no longer are in the United States of America, or if, you are, you know, if you're in Australia, wherever you are, you know, that ceases to be part of Australia. And it's territory belonging to the kingdom of God. And the church has some very important business to tend to. I uh, think you know the ambassadors well they they've need to they need to be fed the you know from the word of God they need to hear God's word rightly taught and they need to hear from the king yeah we're ambassadors in a kingdom not ambassadors in a in a republic or a democracy and as a result of it you know we have one undisputed unchallenged king who will be king of kings and lord of lords forever And so the idea is is that, you know, well, we got business to do. And, you know, and although we can discuss what you thought of the new Star Wars movie before we get to our business, but once business gets started and, uh, you know, the invocation is spoken, you know, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, yeah, all the things that have to do with this world, yeah, they don't seem to matter right now. What matters, and especially, by the way, what doesn't matter, is you know entertainment yeah no we got business to tend to and as a pastor i have duties you know within the office that i hold that that i'm that i need to uh you know to dispense with you know i need to get to it and fulfill the duties of my office and so you know teaching on star wars yep, yeah, not not in the cards i'm dressing like han solo that's not gonna happen yep yet uh, when our first update uh, in our first segment today we're going to be uh, listening to Tim Lucas of Liquid Church in New Jersey, and he dressed up in a Han Solo costume and delivered his uh, sermon and dressed as Han Solo, which I think is more than problematic, so we'll listen to a part of his thing. But, you know, that being the case, I mean, by the way, so coming back to the embassy ambassador kind of thing, yeah, we got business to tend to, the king has got stuff he wants us to do, and... Yeah, the world and entertainment, that can just wait until we leave the embassy and we get back and we leave the kingdom of God into the world. So you see, I think that's a good way to kind of think about church, you know, and uh, and I think, and that's and actually the way in which I kind of think about it. So um, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, which I already, you know, kind of hinted at more than hinted at, kind of explained what we'll be doing First segment, we're going to do a Vision Casting Leader update. We're going to head to Liquid Church in New Jersey, and we're going to listen to Tim Lucas, the Vision Casting Leader, who, as we listen to him, is dressed up as Han Solo. And, um, yeah, and we're going to listen to the first few minutes of whatever the sermon was. It's called Cosmic Christmas, and Cosmic Christmas is spelled out using the Star Wars font. And, uh, you know, of course, that's the thing. These vision (laughs) casts, we got to make the gospel appeal. We got to, we, the world needs to know that we care about them and the world cares about pop culture. So if we tell the world how much we love Star Wars, they're going to come to our church and then we can tell them about Jesus. (sighs) Yeah, um, yeah. The story of Star Wars is not living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Um, yeah, the script of Star Wars is not inspired by God the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture are pastors admonished by God the Holy Spirit to preach the Star Wars script. Y- no, that's not the purpose of why the church gathers. So uh, we'll, well, that'll be our first segment. Then we'll switch gears altogether. We're gonna, uh, we'll do a Hillsong update. Uh, Bobby Houston, the uh, wife of brian houston uh, preached this past sunday and you know because brian's he's he's out of town and uh ugh, <laughs> ugh, is kind of a way to put it yeah you know how we've been listening to uh, pastor jeremy rody work his way through the book of ecclesiastes right yeah i know many think that's just a great you know series that we've been doing and i agree pastor rody's doing a fantastic job it but uh what i thought i'd do is by way of contrast um uh, play for you what uh, Bobby Houston, the uh, wife and you know she's self-proclaimed pastrix, uh, co-pastrix of um, Hillsong Church in Sydney, Australia. You know what she thinks is going on there in the Book of Ecclesiastes, and wow! In fact, in her opening say, uh, statements, she's going to talk about um, Oprah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that'll be fa- quite fascinating. So. And somewhere in there we'll take a break and then we're going to do part 2. Uh, remember when we did that uh, part 1 of Joyce Meyer saying what do you do when God doesn't pick you? Right. We're going to do part 2 of that and listen to a little bit more of her theology as she kind of spins this one out. I have no idea what to do with this. And then in hour number 2, we're going to head down to Potential Church to see if they've uh, actually upgraded their status yet to, you know, for, to actual, you know, to be a church. Uh, they're right now they're just a church in potentia uh Troy Grambling being the vision casting leader there and uh, they used to be like Flamingo Road Baptist Church yeah Dan Sutherland was the guy who ran that yeah Dan Sutherland of Church Transitions fame you know the the go-to seminar for turning a you know church into a purpose driven church anyway he he handed over the reins years ago to uh, Troy Grambling and they went from being a church to being a potential church they're not really a church yet anymore. And so we check in with them from time to time, especially during the holidays, to see if, you know, if they have done what is necessary to, you know, upgrade their status and actually become a real church. Right now, they're just a church in potentia. And uh, and over and again, um, it's rather discouraging. It's as if they're not even trying to, you know, do what is needed for them to actually become a church, which is, you know, just sad, you know, in and of itself. But that's what we're going to be doing with today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. And since we're going to start with a out with a vision casting leader update, uh, that requires us to do this. Los Lobos Ministry Records and their rendition of a Foreigner's song. You know, but we've twisted it into Casting Vision. That's what we do, you know. Los Lobos Ministry Records. So, uh, what we're going to be listening to is the Vision Casting leader of Liquid Church in uh, New Jersey. Uh, that's Tim Lucas, and uh, Tim Lucas is one of these guys claiming that you know he's got a vision from God to do churched for the unchurched. Yeah, I, yeah, so that, this is why they're, because they'll do whatever it takes to make the church relevant. But here's the problem. Is the reason why unbelievers are not at church on Sunday, is it because A, the church is irrelevant, or B, they are dead in trespasses and sins? Scripture makes it clear in Ephesians chapter 2 that every human being is born dead in trespasses and sins, Romans five makes it clear that they are at war with God. They hate Him. Nobody is born, in, you know, born spiritually Switzerland. You know, where they're just neutral. Okay, so the reason why unbelievers are not at church on Sunday is because they are pagan unbelievers and at war with God, dead in trespasses and sins, and under the dominion of darkness. Yeah, that's. Everybody, that, that was you and me before we were brought to penitent faith in Christ. And as a result of this, that's the reason why pagans are not at church. So the, what these vision casting leaders who claim to be receiving visions from God to do church for the unchurched doesn't make any sense. And the, all they're doing is pulling on pop culture themes and dressing their stages up In a way to basically engage in a bait and switch. And Tim Lucas is not the first one to do this. We've already, you know, chronicled another pastor who's pulling on the uh, Star Wars pop culture theme, and that was uh, Bill Cornelius, uh, you know, in order to, you know, capitalize and get a large crowd in his quote unquote church to tell people about Jesus. Well, Bill Cornelius failed to actually preach Christ. So, um, yeah, you kind of get the idea, but uh, so this is going to be Tim Lucas, and you'll, his sermon this Sunday began with them playing the trailer for the new Star Wars movie. We won't play it in its entirety. I've kind of queued the video up to the very end of where the you know the Star Wars trailer is, so that we can then see the transition as he then begins to tell us about star wars yeah it's yeah this is bizarre here we go and the light yeah that's right cosmic christmas only at liquid church yeah, that a little advertisement there for themselves.
1: Morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Liquid Church. Great to see you guys. Glad you're with us today. Want to welcome those of you who are joining us across New Jersey online. Thrilled you're here for Cosmic Christmas. I am Pastor Tim, and I am Captain.
0: Cosmic Christmas.
1: The fastest ship in the galaxy. So,
0: And he's dressed like Han Solo.
1: That you're here today for our, uh, our new series yeah, On this December we're going to tell you the Christmas story in a way you have probably never heard before and hopefully we'll never forget. Just quick show of hands. Any Star Wars fans here today? All right? Yeah, this is our moment nerds. Come on, this is, this is our moment man, all right?
0: Yeah actually your moment should not be taking place inside of a church during sermon time. And now I agree that all the Star Wars nerds, this is a big week for them. I mean, it might as well be Christmas this week, right? But see the thing is is that um, the Star Wars nerds need to keep their lightsabers, their costumes and all of their things that they do outside of the church when the church comes together and gathers together it 's got important things to do. You know having our moment at church would well it 's just downright well defiant against the King of Kings. We continue.
1: Me too. Uh, here's the deal. I was born in 1971, which made me about six years old, when the original came out. And uh, I, my parents actually didn't let me see the movie until I was about 10 or 11 years old. But that did not stop me. I remember on Christmas pleading 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 with my parents i prayed if there is a god would you let them give me the millennium falcon for christmas and yeah
2: but
0: you know, yeah, that's the toy i wanted i didn't i did not get a millennium falcon nope i had a few star wars action figures but it was the kid down the street who had the millennium falcon and man <laughs> was i like coveting in like the worst way i began to i i, I understand what the sin of coveting is about because back When I was in grade school. Yeah, the kid with the Millennium Falcon. Whoa. Man, did I covet that toy.
1: Uh, And they did. And that's when I became a Christian. And uh, (laughs) this was the start of my love affair. Hundreds of action figures, lightsabers, land speeders. My room was filled with a Death Star. And it's really funny because, you know, we joke about it. But my Bible uh, really was this book. This is my original book from six years old.
0: Notice he said that was his Bible. Boy, he's got a lot of passion for, you know, talking about Star Wars. The Star Wars storybook. I've held on
1: to this all these years, and it begins with those famous words you can probably recite. A long time ago in a galaxy, what? Far, far away.
0: Yeah, he, he's holding it as if he's holding a Bible. And, you know, he's reading it as if, you know, he's expect. this is a holy book. You know, these are, these are holy words, you know. I
1: read this thing cover to cover probably over a hundred times. That epic saga of Luke and Leia, Han Solo, and Chewie just captured my boyhood imagination to believe that, you know, somewhere out there behind the stars, there was this cosmic battle raging, right? A war between good and evil, the dark side and the light. And in many ways, it is true, isn't it? I mean, this is our story as Christians. See, all the stories that you and I love have echoes, of the greatest story ever told your story may be titanic or braveheart think about the movies you love but the greatest story ever told of jesus christ our lord and savior this december we're going to tell you the story of christmas from a perspective you've probably never heard before it actually comes right out of the bible the last book of the bible the book of revelation
0: now let me tell you what he's going to do and here's the thing is that you know in some senses what he's doing is not wrong, and in other senses, it couldn't be more wrong. And this is where it gets to be a little bit of a problem. I, you know, I do not have a problem if during a Sunday school lesson or something like that, somebody wants to say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to look at different literary themes or mythic- mythological typologies and look at how even the secular stories that are out there you know, in in our movies, have somehow are, are retellings or it's the same story that we as Christians are familiar with and that's the story of Christ, the story of good and evil and being defeated by a heroic character who sacrifices himself. In, in some sense, you can, you can make the case that The world in its stories is haunted by the story of Jesus. And so in a sense, you can talk about, you can find the Christ story in the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You can find it in the story of Sleeping Beauty. You can find it in a lot of the children's fairy tales and even in a lot of movies. And Star Wars, since it starts, you know, it was intentionally designed to be a mythology. It was pulling on a lot of these themes and, but they were retweaking it with kind of a Buddhist, um, you know, mystical bent. But, you know, so in one sense, what he's doing actually makes sense. And what he's going to do then, he's going to go to Revelation chapter 12, which is a telling of the birth of Christ. And it's a fascinating text because it's then in the context of this pitched battle between God and the devil and and the virgin giving birth to a son and and then the devil may, waging war against uh, those who uh, hold to the testimony of Christ. It's a fascinating text. And I, so I understand what he's doing in that sense, but the problem is, is that what's in the lead here? The, what's in the lead is not God's word. What's in the lead is all of the pop culture trappings And I'm supposed to somehow receive the word of God from a man dressed as Han Solo, who, you know, basically is really excited, super-de-duper excited about Star Wars, so much so that now Christ gets to share the spotlight with Darth Vader, Han Solo, and the new movie. Yeah, I, I have a real big problem with that. It's a form of syncretism, and what's, what you're syncretizing here is you're, you're basically pulling the world into the church. And again, this is entertainment. These stories are entertainment, and uh, you know, we as a church have important things to be about. And you know what this guy is doing is basically, number one, working with a faulty premise. The reason why unbelievers are not at church is because we're so boring and irrelevant. So we're going to make ourselves relevant. How do we make ourselves relevant? I know we put all the pop culture trappings together. But see, the thing is, they're all dead in trespasses and sins. And the people who are there who are pagans, they're not there because of Jesus. They're there to see what this church is going to do you know, regarding you know uh, the Star Wars stuff. And it turns into a bait and switch. And he's, And he does the switch pretty quick, pretty quick. Now, what I'm going to do with this episode of Fighting for the Faith, I'm going to actually pull out of the archives a link to my interview with an atheist couple that uh, that went to a big Star Wars extravaganza that was put on by a church up in Winnipeg, Canada, and get their feedback. So if you haven't heard that episode, it's, it's like a must listen. Does this really attract unbelievers? Do the unbelievers sit there and go, I, I, I i I'm, I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life because that pastor loves me so much. He dressed like Han Solo. Yeah, no, that's not how that works at all. This is an utter train wreck. I think you get the idea. So look for today's episode of fighting for the faith. You can find it at fightingforthefaith.com. Uh, those of you podcast listeners, look for Monday, December 14th, 2015. Under the, it, it says additional resources. There will be a link to my interview with that atheist couple who attended the Star Wars extravaganza, Easter extravaganza at the church up in Winnipeg. I, I think it was either last year or the year before. I, it's, these things go by quick yeah, is the best way I can put it. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, a Hillsong update. We're going to listen to Bobby Houston wax eloquent about Oprah and then give us some initial thoughts about what she thinks Ecclesiastes is about. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
1: Relevance Schmelevance, we preach Christ crucified for our sins. You're listening to fighting for the faith. you're listening to pirate Christian radio
3: We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs>
4: yo-ho, 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 a fire life for me. We have sports, we go, so we do It's... Marty
3: Python's Flying Circus Church. New from Los Lobos Ministry Records. An album that's just oozing with the love of Christ. It's Pastor Perry Noble's new techno praise album entitled, More Like Jesus. The songs on this album will melt your face off in a sanctified way. This album includes the number one purpose-driven praise techno dance song of all time, entitled, well, you might just want to hear it for yourself. Everyone about the jackass in the church, the jackass in the church is the person that always screams, I want to go deeper. You
5: know what I tell people to say that around here? You're only as deep as the last person you served. You know what I tell people to say that around here? You're only as deep as the last person you served. Everyone about the jackass in the church, the jackass in the church is the person
3: that always screams, I want to go deeper. about the jackass in the church, the jackass in the church. is the person that always screams, I want to go deeper. Don't you feel closer to Jesus after hearing that sample? Well, we've got another one for you, too. This one's entitled, You Officially Suck. I think that you officially suck as a human being. I think that you officially suck as a human being. i wasn't playing games we all I think that you officially suck as a human being. i playing games. I think that you officially suck as a human being. Other tracks include, Your Grandma Smokes Weed, and I Don't Like Hanging Out with People That Make Me Uncomfortable. Act Now, and Louis Lovell's Ministry will even throw in the free bonus track by Stephen Furtick entitled, Cause They're Stupid. Here's a sample. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid.
2: A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid
3: and get Pastor Perry Noble's brand new Techno Praise album entitled More Like Jesus. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you To take a look at the AALC, check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches.
1: Every summer for the past 15 years, youth have been immersed in the waters of their baptism at Higher Things conferences. On January 2nd, we invite college students and young adults to the campus of Concordia University, Chicago for an evening spent drinking from the fire hose of the gospel. This unique Higher Things Lutheran Unconference will begin with a service of vespers and end with evening prayer. In between, seven incredible Lutheran pastors will take the stage for just 20 minutes each. A sit-down dinner will be provided with a QA and a session with a speaker panel. Registration is just $100 per person. Go to higherthings.org for more information. That's higherthings.org.
0: Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that it's absolutely wrong to cause Jesus to have to share the spotlight with popular movies and actors and things like that. Just a reminder Fighting for the Faith is listener supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website. Fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you are signing up to automatically contribute an amount of money that you choose. So you have four choices, if you would. And think of it this way, if you're joining our crew, you get to pick your rank. That's how that works. And so uh, our lowest rank is a powder monkey at 9.95 a month, gunner's made at 24.95 a month, master gunner 49.95 and quartermaster 99.95. Currently, we are doing what we can to you know, basically get the equivalent of 600 new Powder monkeys to join our crew so we can kind of take our website kind of to the next level. We've had a big upgrade and we have phase two we'd like to roll out. And in order to do that, we've got to raise some funds in order to uh, be able to pay those expenses because we're going to need to bring some people on board. So if you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the join our crew. Of course, if you would like to um, specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button. Or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, time for a Hillsong update. Praise the Lord for all the cash I've got. Praising for my Rolls Royce
2: and my yacht. Serving God ain't hard with a credit card. Jesus died so I could make a lot Praise the Lord, he's made us millionaires Wave your donations in the end. We've replaced our hymns with ATMs And soon we'll charge a fee on every prayer Cause Christ was a poor man, don't you know? He should have used our accountants for his cash flow. Stop the sermon on the mount, he should have had a bank account. Two thousand years with interest. He'd be rolling in the dough. Praise the Lord, this song's out on CD, just 4095 plus GST. Hallelujah, plenty of Moolah Solid gold baubles on my Christmas tree I've got all of heaven's riches Thanks to all you stupid <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord for modern Christianity Yeah, whoever said
0: It's our Hill Song Update Music. So, what we're going to be listening to is um, Bobby Houston. And uh, this was from this past week, as she apparently is going to bring the word of God, but she has some opening thoughts regarding Oprah, which I find to be quite revealing. So uh, she's, ju- she's just been introduced. Here we go. She's
6: like a son. Amen. <laughs> I good morning, church. Still morning? Oh, five minutes, and then we have... And
0: by the way, she was introduced as if she's a pastor, but scripture makes it very clear women cannot hold a pastoral office.
6: Hey, Hashtag midday, baby midday. Father, in Jesus' name, help this world. Hallelujah. Yes? (laughs) What was that? Some of you don't know what that means, but that's okay. Are you well? Fantastic. Did you have a good night's rest?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking.
6: Okay. Nice to um, see everyone around Australia and all the different locations and uh, wherever you might be on the world. If this is going out there, no pressure. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Hey, do you know what I did last night? I had the privilege of going to Oprah. I didn't even know she was in the country. But, you know, the All Phones Arena that we often rent and hire for our conferences gave two tickets to Monica in our events department, and she very kindly rang me up and said, Would you like to go to Oprah? And so I did, and it was actually amazing.
0: And Oprah's a heretic. She just said Oprah was amazing. No, Oprah's a heretic. Oprah is not anybody you want to be getting any of your spirituality from.
6: Amazing. For two hours, this beautiful woman came out. Like, no, nothing, like, not much happening. And just for two hours, just taught and shared wisdom and life from her 30-year journey. Amazing. And interjected faith throughout. So it was pretty cool. I loved it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you did. Now, that's kind of fascinating. I mean, the fact that Bobby Houston wouldn't identify Oprah's false teaching as false teaching, and that she embraced it and thought, oh, it was amazing, and she interjected faith and all that. And I was, oh, Yeah, what does that tell you about Bobby Houston's biblical discernment?
6: Mm -hmm. The only downside I was telling the other services is that it took 50 minutes to get the crowd in. So she started 50 minutes late, apologized, but nevertheless, Monica and I were sitting there up in the gods watching it all going, They need our team here. They need our car park, our volunteers. They need us helping to execute that room. <laughs> and it was so adorable because we were running across the forecourt, And, you know, so it was kind of refreshing to be on the other side of it because sometimes we're on the, like, management side of it. And so, you know, to be amongst all the people trying to, like, you know, go through the crowd. And these two women were, like, chasing us going, you ladies look like you know where you're going. Can we follow you? And we're like, yes, follow us. And then Monica's saying, oh, you've got very good seats. And like, how do you know this? And I'm like, because she runs events here. She's awesome. Give a hand to our event team. Amen. All right. Enough playfulness. Father, have your way today, we ask. And Lord Jesus, this is your house and this is your word that we're gathering around. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit to come and do what only you can do. I give you all the praise and all the honor. Now,
0: why would the Holy Spirit come and do stuff when the woman who's preaching is defying, literally standing in opposition to what the Holy Spirit has revealed regarding the role of women in the church? Yeah, I mean, doesn't make any sense to me.
6: Father, at the end of this, God, as we leave your house today, that we are going to go out stronger and better and wiser in Jesus' name. Amen. Give someone a high five. Tell them they're amazing. Our team are awesome. Beautiful. Hallelujah. All right. So what I want to do today is um I want to speak to you a little bit, just bring really a really simple thought, but I hope it will resonate with you from the book of Ecclesiastes, okay?
0: You're wanting it to resonate with me. So apparently I'm supposed to listen in such a way that it, if it resonates, maybe within me it'll go, oh, there it is. It's resonating. Oh, yeah, that was a that thought totally resonated. You know, I mean, is this some kind of harmonic convergence? What is this?
6: say Ecclesiastes. Amazing. So in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the Bible, Solomon, who is David's son. She,
0: <laughs> she, she, she sounds like an Australian valley girl, you know. Yes. Okay. All right.
6: Has a life-changing epiphany. Okay. So he basically questions life. He comes to a powerful realization, and then he awakens afresh to what life is actually about. So is there anyone in the room today?
0: So he has an epiphany and awakens afresh to what life's really about. Have you really read the
6: book of Ecclesiastes? Who empathizes with that? You ever, no one, anyone, anyone? All right, anyone ever questioned life? Anyone ever had a powerful realization and then suddenly you awaken to what life is truly about? In fact, you might be sitting here today or in any of our locations or watching online and actually that already has got you thinking because you are questioning life and you are wondering what it's all about. And I really pray that today we can help you understand that the eyes of your understanding will open.
0: Right, so that you can find your dream destiny thingy, right? Yeah, because that's kind kind of where she's heading, you know.
6: To uh,
0: how amazing you actually are. Right. Because <laughs> the book... <laughs> oh, man. So the book of Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes is going to help you understand just how amazing you actually are. Right. I, you know, as uh, Pastor Rody has been working his way through the book of Ecclesiastes, I have yet to hear him say that statement that, oh yeah, Solomon really wants you to understand just how actually amazing you are. That's why the book of Ecclesiastes was written, right? Yeah.
6: And who this amazing God is. And so if you actually read chapters one through 11, which we're not going to do this morning.
0: Yeah, she's not. Now I'm going to read like one.
6: Solomon vacillates between wisdom and and actual despondency, wisdom and despondency, because basically King Solomon, Solomon had everything. He had everything. He had fame and fortune and riches and talent and influence. He had everything, yet to him it felt shallow, temporal, fleeting, at times pointless.
0: Notice what she's saying here. The problem was that, He had everything, but it felt that way. So apparently it really wasn't pointless, but him having all that wealth was really important because the health and wealth prosperity teaching is part and parcel of what Hillsong is all about. So we have to have this basically big turnaround in the life of Solomon where he no longer thinks his wealth is worthless and meaningless. No, he he needs to embrace his dream destiny. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I wish I was making that
6: up. And a number of times in the Word, he repeatedly calls it nothing but smoke. Life is nothing but smoke. And, you know, if you read those chapters, and I did in preparing this, you know, one of the prevailing realities for him was the seeming injustice, the seeming injustice.
0: The, the seeming injustice. Yeah, this, this is the weird interpretation of Ecclesiastes. Uh, yeah i read it you know i you know i took two minutes and you know read it you know and you know he seems to have you know the you know the, the seeming injustice what she has like no cognitive grasp of any of the in-depth themes that are going on in this book
6: that earth side earth side the side life happens to both the just and the unjust regardless So he asked the question, what's the point? We all live, we all die, we all return to the dust. You know, he pretty much said, you know what? Life happens. Challenge, drama, even calamity can knock on the door of the upright and those who are not upright.
0: Right. That's correct. And there's a reason for that.
6: So again, what is the point? So his conclusions in those chapters are actually marginally depressing. If you're going to read the book of Ecclesiastes, you need to read the whole book, okay? Don't, get, don't read it a little bit depressed and then go, oh, my gosh. And then, No, read it to the very end, all right? So this is what happens. He awakens. So he's, have, he's come to these conclusions, and then he actually awakens to wisdom. He awakens to wisdom, praise God.
4: Oh,
0: thank the Lord that finally Solomon awoke to wisdom, the guy who was given the gift of wisdom, finally awoke to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that he embraces dream destiny and and doesn't and no longer thinks his wealth is, has, is meaningless.
6: In life, if I can just pause here for one moment, in life, sometimes the shadows of life crowd in. Yeah. The shadows of life come, shadows of whatever, like depression or despondency or sadness or even questioning. These shadows come in. And do you know what they do? They eclipse the light that exists
0: hmm So shadows come in and eclipse the light. Right. Yeah, that's what was going on in Ecclesiastes.
6: Actually, the strategy of the enemy to come in, shadow the earth, cause shadow lands in our heart and in our soul.
0: So that's what was happening. The devil was creating shadow lands in, in King Solomon's soul. That's why he was so depressed. And, and, and his wealth seemed kind of worthless to him, you know? He should have embraced his wealth.
6: Eclipse the true light, but if you push past and realize that beyond the shadow, above the shadow, is light. Ecclesiastes also teaches... Yeah,
0: you just got to remember, above the shadow is light, and then you can really understand Ecclesiastes. Right, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, she really did her homework, you know.
6: That, you know what, there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing. Nothing is new under the sun. And many years ago, I heard my husband... um, Um, teach on that verse and say you know what it is true nothing is new under the sun however above the sun where god lives above the sun where god exists everything is new Uh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah she doesn't know what to do with that book does she yeah that she's like uh, t- totally in the dark it's, a, it's as if a demonic shadow has overcome her soul or something like that but uh, don't worry above the sun everything's new right yeah that's the point N- no it's not
6: everything so above those shadowlands, above those doubts those complexities whatever is a god of light And life, and hope, and answers, and strategy, and wisdom.
0: A God of strategy. Right, yeah. I I never thought of God as the God of strategy, but now that you mention it.
6: Our lives, in Jesus' name. Well, with
0: already a handling of God's word like that, um, very little hope that she's going to actually correctly understand what Ecclesiastes is about, because... Boy, she just wiped out the first 11 chapters <laughs> with that introduction. <laughs> yeah, that's no way to rightly handle God's word. Not at all. You have to actually work your way through it and, and wrestle with what the text says, is, what it says and what it means, which is what Pastor Rody has been doing. We'll continue to play those lectures uh, until we're done with them. So ah, moving along. Yeah, time for a Joyce Meyer update
7: You got to accentuate the positive eat limb mine it the negative and latch on to the affirmative don't mess with mister in between You got to spread joy up to the maximum bring gloom down to the minimum have faith all pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene. To illustrate my last remark, Jonah in the whale, Noah in the ark. What did they do just when everything looked so dark? Mandy said with better accent, she ate the positive, eat the limb. mine ate the negative and latch on. To the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. In-Between. That's right. Don't
0: mess with Mr. In-Between. You got to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. Now, uh, what we're going to be listening to, this is part two. I told you it was going to take multiple parts because when we first put our toe in the water with this, you know, we only heard the opening of uh, what it was that Joyce Meyer was saying. And so the name of the message, again, is what to do (laughs) when God doesn't... (laughs) pick you (laughs) i mean it's just so absurd on its face i mean i don't even know what she's talking about i mean what do you do when god doesn't pick you i i like i said before um i didn't know god was picking like kickball teams and i mean this feels like you know you know like elementary school but you know i've fast forward the video and she's gonna start to kind of get into the teaching now and Let's see how she handles God's word to see if it's a correct handling of God's word, rightly divide, dividing the word of God, law and gospel, sin, grace, repentance, forgiveness of sins, or if she kind of in typical uh, Stephen Furtick word of faith heretic, narcissetical fashion, just you know mangles the texts that are you know she's preaching to make them a, a parable really about you. Here's Joyce Meyer to explain. Here we go
8: sealed a covenant with Noah with a rainbow. Now he's getting ready to seal a covenant with Abram, who has been faithful 24 years and gone through all the bad stuff, waiting to get to the good stuff.
0: So, yeah, notice, just by way of reminder, she talked about Noah. She's talked about Abraham. So now we've got apparently God's sealing covenants, you know, first with a rainbow, then the other. Well, this is going to be an awkward moment. She'll explain.
8: So now it's time for the covenant. There's always something to seal a covenant. And God said to Abram, as for you, you shall therefore keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout your generations. And this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your posterity after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised.
0: Ah... Yeah. Um, why are you talking about this covenant that God made with Abraham as if somehow that's some kind of a pattern that it could potentially play out in my life? You know, like I'm going to be walking down the road and God's going to say, Chris, I want you to pick up your family and move to the promised land. Okay, God. And so I move and, you know, and then I'm faithful to God for 20 something years. And then God says, I want to seal my covenant with you, Chris. And so I'm going to cut off your left arm, you know, or something like that. You see, as, it, you know, this is some, as if this is some kind of a pattern that were, that could play out in your life.
8: Wait a minute, God. Why did Noah get a rainbow and I'm getting a circumcision?
0: Yeah, that's not what Abraham said. Although you're getting a good laugh line here, you're really mangling God's word. <laughs> demonic cackle
8: what happens when God chooses a friend of yours or somebody you know maybe somebody that you think is not even as spiritual as you which that's a bad sign right there but that's another teaching Some- what are you
0: talking about God chooses somebody I know chooses them for what,
8: what do you think is not even as spiritual as you and they get a rainbow uh, <laughs> what are you talking about
0: so across the street, you know, is Bob and, you know, Bob, you know, he's been a Christian for, you know, like six years. And so God picked him and gave him a rainbow. It's like, Oh, but what did he give me? You know, a pan, a can of spam. I
8: What is this doesn't make any sense. We're building a boat.
0: And here you've been through war. and. Str- God did not give Noah a, a a rainbow
8: because he built a boat. Life <laughs> have turmoil and left your home and everything else, and you get a circumcision. <laughs> there have been many times in my life when I've wanted a rainbow and got a circumcision.
0: Uh, r- really? Uh-huh. Now, clearly, now, the circumcision is becoming an allegory about something difficult in her life. That's not what this, the, you know,
8: Abraham's circumcision is about at all a circumcision just means a cutting away of the flesh that's really what it means and eventually God gets around to saying and I want you to serve me with hearts that are circumcised with pure hearts and so not only did Abraham and the males in his house get circumcised but all the males everywhere in their land got circumcised I don't imagine that Abraham was very popular
0: Man, okay, I mean, this is, this is crazy. Scripture interprets Scripture. So Romans chapter 4 tells us what Abraham's circumcision was about. And it has something to do with justification by grace through faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What then, shall we say, was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, well, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Well, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And the one who does, uh, does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted or credited to Abraham as righteousness. So how then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? Well, it was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that, the, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. To make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So, yeah, it's not like... So, you'll notice what you heard Joyce Meyer say. Abraham obeyed God for 20-something years, and he and God rewarded him with circumcision. That's That's not good theology at all. In fact, what she's saying is totally opposite of what Scripture says. The reason why Abraham was circumcised was not because he was obedient. He was circumcised because he had faith and he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The circumcision was a physical sign of his faith. Yeah, so what Joyce Meyer is doing here is impacting negatively our a correct understanding of the gospel. And this is, again proof that this woman is just a flat-out Bible twister, somebody who doesn't rightly handle God's Word and should not be listened to by anybody who calls themselves a Christian. We continue.
8: Those days. (laughs) I'll give you a practical example of how this works. Matter of fact, I'll give you a couple, just so we can apply this to our own life. Um, when I was still doing my home Bible studies and I'd given up my full time job, well, actually the truth is, is I gave up my full time job and got a part time job, which is not what God told me to do. He put it on my heart to quit my job and trust him. But our bills were $40 a month more than our income. And that was without having anything extra left over for anything else. So we not only needed the $40 to pay our bills, but we also needed anything that we needed for repairs or shoes or medical or clothes or anything like that. So we were put in a position
4: to learn how to trust God for finances. Now,
8: I was really expecting great things to happen when I sacrificed my job. But they didn't happen right away on my timetable. How I many of you've ever taken a step of faith and you thought, surely you'd get a, a rainbow right away.
0: What are you talking about? Noah wasn't expecting a rainbow. The world was destroyed by a flood. And that was God's promise that he wouldn't do it again. What are you talking about?
8: And instead, you got a circumcision.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so apparently rainbows and circumcision are one of the two possibilities, you know, how God could deal with you. (laughs) You know, when he picks you for something, right? Yeah, you know, for kickball. Yeah, I, I don't know if I want to be on God's team, you know. Okay, so uh, God says, all right, I want you to play kickball on my team. Yay, all right, before we get going, we're playing circumcision today. Oh, no. Yeah. what? This is not
8: biblical. This is nonsense. And what I mean by that is a circumstance that cut away the flesh, a circumstance that dealt with your fleshly parts <coughs> and broke bondages off of you. Uh,
0: yet... Romans 4 makes it clear that Abraham's circumcision was because he was believing God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was a sign of his faith.
8: You know, I love the scripture where Jesus, it says he took the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread.
0: Uh, right, (laughs) this would be the Lord's Supper, the institution of the Lord's Supper uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body. So now she's basically taking the verbs from the words of institution for the Lord's Supper. Took, broke, gave, right, Uh uh-huh. Watch what she does with this.
8: Well, let me tell you something. He blessed the bread, God blesses us, And he wants to eventually give us, but he has to break us. So the
0: words of institution is a metaphor about me. So God takes me, then breaks me, then gives me. Are you out of your mind? What is this?
8: And I'm glad to see that you're not afraid of that word. I hate it when I use that word and people just get silent. Come on, think about it. Mary broke the alabaster box.
0: So, okay, now we got another word, broke. Yeah, that's right. You know, so the the lady, you know, the Mary who came and, you know, broke the alabaster box to anoint Jesus's body with perfume prior to his burial, right?
8: And poured the sweet perfume on Jesus. You have sweet perfume in you. I have good things. Oh, man.
0: So apparently the 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 perfume box, the alabaster box with the perfume in it, that's all a parable and an allegory about you. Who knew? So you are the Lord's supper because God takes you, breaks you, and gives you, and and you are the perfume in the alabaster box, and you know God's got to break the alabaster box so the perfume can come out. are are you amazing! Oh wow! Do I need to go on? My head might explode, by the way, if I continue any farther with Joyce Meyer. What this woman is saying is not only nonsensical, it's utterly blasphemous. Takes all of the glory away from Christ. Puts it all, really, on you. And it's all about you, your glory, your obedience, so that God can give you a rainbow or a circumcision, whichever comes first. Uh, Yeah, and the people there, they're all clapping applauding and saying amen and yet nothing they're being taught by joyce meyer is true nothing that she's saying is actually what god's word says or even means something to think about all right we're up on our second break if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at Christian. Quick break when we come back. Sermon review, we're going to head down to Potential Church and uh, listen to their latest Christmas sermon. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
1: Sisyoprified religiosity won't save you.
0: On January
1: 2nd, college students and young adults are invited to Concordia University, Chicago for an evening drinking from the fire hose of the gospel. This Higher Things Lutheran Unconference starts and ends with worship. In between, seven incredible Lutheran pastors will speak for just 20 minutes each. Dinner will be provided with a Q&A session. Registration is just $100 per person. For more information, go to higherthings.org.
0: Number two of fighting for the faith sermon review time. this right The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith Word Equal Opportunity Sermon Reviewing Service. Today's ser- sermon sermon, comes to us via Potential Church out there in uh, Cooper City, Florida. Troy Grambling presiding. Now, Potential Church, they're not really a church anymore. They're just a church in potentia. The name of the sermon we'll be listening to is, well, the sermon series is a Christmas Carol. The name of the sermon is this, A Hope for a Better Tomorrow with a name like that, I have very little hope that we're going to hear God's Word rightly taught. We're going to hear law and gospel, sin, grace, repentance, and the forgiveness of sins, the good news that unto us is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord, who's come to save us, forgive us of our sins, you know, things like that. Yeah, I don't even think Troy Gramling thinks in those categories, which is one of the reasons why Potential Church remains... Just a church in Potentia, but not an actual church. So let me back off on the music, and let's get started. Without any further ado, here is Troy Grambling and his sermon, A Christmas Carol, Hope for a Better Tomorrow. Here we go.
5: Alright, well, we're going to worship a little bit more in a few moments but before we do there's always a lot of information to get out on uh, our Christmas service a lot that we're doing a lot of exciting things that are happening but if you pull out that outline that you got all right and I want to start by first of all just saying thank you to all of our volunteers and all of our staff team who have spent the last week decorating all of our different environments could you join me in thanking them all right Now, in case you don't know, it's Christmas, all right? And
0: uh, we are going to. Actually, it's Advent. Yeah, Christmas doesn't start until, you know, Christmas. There's 12 days of Christmas, not, you know, 31. Just saying. I spent some time, I was
5: thinking about the Christmas carol, and there are really some incredible lessons within there that when we then go to the biblical text, we can learn from. So I, I hope that it'll be fun. Most importantly, I hope that it will be encouraging. And I want to start with some dialogue from the book or the screenplay that was taken from the book. I put it in your
0: outline. You can pull so that. we're going to start with Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Dialogue from the book, not the Bible out. Okay. And
5: we're going to read it. Now it starts with Fred's. Anybody know who Fred is? Fred is the nephew of Scrooge. So when Scrooge comes in and Scrooge is selfish, he's tight, he's grumpy, doesn't like Christmas in the story. And he comes in and his nephew looks at him and says, Merry Christmas to you, uncle. And look at how Scrooge responds. Say it, would you? I knew that spirit was in you, okay? All right. Say it again. It'll make you feel a little better. One more time. Yes, this is this is that crowd. Bah humbug. Now, did you know that that's actually a word? It, it means a hoax. It means fake. So when the nephew comes in and says, Merry Christmas, he's like, Bah humbug. That's just a hoax. There's nothing to that. Just a great way to sell a bunch of stuff. He says, Merry Christmas. What right do you have to be married? What reason do you have to be married? And I guess I could ask maybe you the same question. As you think about this Christmas season, what right do you have to be married? I mean, with all that's going on in our world, there's a lot of things to be afraid of. There's the horrific events in the last few months in Paris and of course in California. And there's probably the stuff going on in your life. Are some of you who may be sick. Some of you who are dealing with relational issues. Some of you may have more bills and you do money. So is there a reason to have a Merry Christmas? Is it possible to have a Merry Christmas? Or is it just, well, just ba humbug? Is it just a hoax? Is it just something that we do every year out of tradition? Or is there something to the fact that the Bible says that first Christmas that the Messiah was born? Now, what
0: we're going to do in this series, which is an important thing, the Messiah is born, our Savior. We'll talk about that in a minute, but let's see what Troy is going to do with this.
5: He says, we're basically going to spend the next three weeks and then our Christmas services answering two questions, okay? Let me give you the questions. The first one is, can you escape a
0: future that's haunted by your past? If you've read the Christmas carol. Can, can I escape a future that's haunted by my past? What? The ghost of Christmas past, present and future come to Scrooge. And the ghost of Christmas past
5: take him to his childhood. And they show him some of the things that happened in his life that made him the way that he was. And then the the ghost of Christmas present comes and shows him how the way that he's living his life is impacting the people around him. And then the ghost of Christmas future comes. And at the end of that, Scrooge looks at the ghost of Christmas future and asks the question, is there anything I can do to change my future? In other words, I've seen my future. I see where my life is leading. I know what happened to me in the past, and I know what I'm doing today. Is there anything I can do about my destiny? The the second question that we're going to answer, is there any hope for a better tomorrow this Christmas? In other words, when you look at your life, and you look at your circumstances, and you look at what's happened in the past, you look at what's going on today, it, it, can you have a Merry Christmas? M-E-R-R-Y. I think that you can.
0: And I think as we... Yeah, you know, um, my, uh, my big problem is not that I can't have a Merry Christmas. I'm not sure what you're talking about.
5: ...over the answer to those two questions, that we will be encouraged... Now, I think that a merry Christmas, an M-E-R-R-Y Christmas, begins with the M-A-R-Y Christmas. Uh, a merry Christmas, okay? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Her story is told in Luke chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible or you've got an iPad or uh, you can pull out the outline. And in Luke chapter 1, maybe you remember the story. An angel comes to Mary. Mary was engaged to Joseph. In those days, that engagement um, had a much greater commitment than today. Basically, they were already married. And the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a child. Mary's first... Why aren't you reading the text? That's impossible.
0: I'm a virgin. And in case you don't... You're not reading the text. Are you too busy to open up the Bible? Why aren't you reading the text? virgins
5: do not get pregnant and they do not have children. And the angel says, God's going to take care of that. All right, Mary, I understand that. And I know that it seems impossible, but God's going to do a work in your life. And then Joseph, you know, at first doesn't really understand. He's kind of like, you're pregnant. I'm a virgin. That means there's a problem and an angel goes to joseph and joe and and, and they work it out and the- are you again i just have to ask are
0: you too busy to actually read god's word why aren't you reading the text uh this is just frustrating let let me let me read it i mean let's let's do that uh, luke chapter 1 verse 26 in the sixth month the angel gabriel was sent from god to a city of galilee named nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was joseph Of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, or you can say Yeshua, Joshua, Yahweh saves. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end and Mary said to the angel how will this be since I am a virgin and the angel said to her the Lord the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child to be born to you will be called holy the son of God and behold your relative Elizabeth And her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. So, okay, I mean, how long did that take? You know, two minutes? Are you too busy, Troy, to actually read the Bible? And
5: then in Bethlehem, that first Christmas, in a manger... Jesus is born. And I believe that it's in that text. As we look at how God interacted with Mary,
0: we can discover how we can have a merry Christmas, no matter what Okay, so hidden in that text is the secret for us to have a merry, M-E-R-R-Y, Christmas. Right. Circumstances are. No matter what's happening
5: in your life, no matter what's going on in our world. And I think there's some simple things. So I'm going to quickly share these with you. And then if you could... Um, just kind of jot them down. The first thing we have to do is that we have to get a point in our life, especially if you're here and you're a Christ follower to where we admit our doubt. It's okay to admit your doubt. It's okay to admit your fear. Sometimes as, as Christ
0: followers, sometimes as uh, those who are uh, following after Jesus, we pretend to be something. So the first thing we need to do in order to have a Merry Christmas is not confess that we're sinners in need of a savior. For behold, is born to you a Savior this day in the city of David. No, 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 no. We need to. Well, can, we need to admit our doubts, right? On the outside, that we're not experiencing
5: on the inside. We come to church and we raise our hand during certain songs. We say praise the Lord, and we say all kinds, But on the inside, man, we're fearful. I mean, it's easy to talk about your finances being great or your health, you know, being healed, but you're like, man, no, this is what the doctor said.
0: Or you're looking at your bank account and you're like, man, this is what I owe and this is what I have. These are the, the result of our sin. The reason why we go through problems like this, this is all part of the curse brought on by our rebellion against God. Are you going to talk about sin, Troy? You're looking at a relationship, and he said, I
5: do, but he didn't, and he walked out, or she walked out. It is okay. It is okay to admit that you're afraid.
0: Mm, It's okay to admit you're afraid. And you're getting that because of what exactly in the biblical text? Because you didn't actually read it.
5: It's okay to admit, I've got some doubt. I don't know how in the world God's going to do this. Because look at what happened with Mary, okay? Look at how Mary responds. When the angel came and said, Mary, you're going to be pregnant, Mary was greatly troubled, right? And that's what some of us are. We're troubled. You're troubled today, man.
0: Uh, Man, do you know how to read? I mean, good night. So now he's pulled the text up, and so it's okay. The first thing you do need to do in order to have a Merry Christmas is you need to admit your, your doubt. And the reason because of that is because it says in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 29, that, that Mary was troubled. The text actually makes it very clear what she was troubled about. Here's what it says. She was greatly troubled at the saying. At the what... <laughs> So the angel appears. Here's what, let me read again. Verse 26, Gabriel was sent forth uh, from God to the city of Nazareth, uh, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he, Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Doesn't say anything about her having doubts so that she can have a merry Christmas, um. Wow. Okay. We continue. I mean, this, this is just ridiculous.
5: That means inside you're stirred. There's a, a, an emotion, and she asks the question, "What kind of greeting this might be?" Angel says, "Now don't be afraid, Mary." And Mary's like, "But yeah, but how can this be?" Mary asks the angel because I'm a virgin. Now, when she asks the question, "What kind of greeting?" the Old King James says, "What kind of salutation?" Here's what it means. What, you, where are you from? You must be from out of this world. You're telling me I'm going to be pregnant and I'm a virgin. And then you're telling me that the child I'm going to bear is actually going to be the Messiah, the anointed one. Where are you from? And there are times in our lives when what God asks us to do seems like it's out of this world. There are times in our lives when what God tells us he's going to do in our lives it just seems crazy. There's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. You don't understand. I've been working at this for years and there's never been any kind
0: of breakthrough. You don't understand. I've got the x rays right here. You don't understand. I've never had breakthrough. I have x rays. What are you talking about? So notice apparently, you know, this is all about good news to overcome temporal setbacks in your life. When God sent us a Savior to bleed and die for our sins. It's okay to admit that I, I don't know how God's going to do this. In the Old Testament. Yeah, so notice the, the story of Mary now is turning into a parable. She, he's engaging in narcissistic eisegesis, otherwise known as Narcegesis. Uh Yeah, so Mary was greatly troubled. So you can be greatly troubled too. You know, when the Lord comes to you and says, Oh, you're favored and, and uh, you're the bee's knees. But you sit there and go, But I. I <laughs> Haven't you seen the doctor's report? Haven't you seen, I lost my job, I got my pink slip. How can you say I'm highly favored? It's just like the Virgin Mary when she heard that she was going to give birth to the Messiah and she hadn't even been with a dude. No, actually, it's not. You're, you're committing violence against God's word here and you're wrongly teaching it. The prophet,
5: his name is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is, uh, he prays one day, it's, it's found in the, in the Bible where he's like, God, you tricked me on this thing. What I thought you were going to do is not what you're doing, I mean I thought if I were follow you and I were going to be obedient, this was going to happen, but this is this is happening
0: and i don't why don't you read that prayer of jeremiah? I'm not sure which one you're referring to Jeremiah is a kind of a long book. why don't you you know take the time to open up your Bible and read it to us so we can see what Jeremiah said in context
5: understand. It's okay. God's a big enough God to handle your doubt. God's a big enough God to handle the questions that you have. And don't don't fake it. Don't pretend that you have something that you don't really have. It is okay to doubt. Here's the second thing. And this is where movement starts to take place. Is that you have to believe that what God did in the life of Mary, God will do in your life.
0: Um... God's going to make me pregnant while I'm still a virgin. Yeah, no, um, I've been married for, for uh, a long time, long, long, long time. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about here? That what God did in the life of Mary, God
5: will do in your life. Now, that can be difficult sometimes because, like, this is Mary.
0: Right, It's going to be really difficult for God to cause me to become pregnant while I'm still a virgin since I'm not. Mary, The mother of Jesus, isn't she special?
5: Isn't she different than me? Isn't there something about her that she has that I don't have? Well, let's look and see what the scripture says, okay? The angel went to her and she said, Greetings, you who are what? One more time, are what? Now, that's good news, isn't it? The angel comes and says, well, guess what, Mary? You're highly favored. And not only are you high, highly favored, God is with you because you have found favor
0: with God. Right, yeah. So Mary found favor. So you, you're highly favored, too. You know, that, that's good news, right? Well, here's the thing. If we're going to talk about a right standing before God where we have God's blessing and favor that cannot be discussed apart from Christ bleeding and dying for our sins. And I don't think that's where uh, Troy Gramling is going to go here. Instead, he's going to try to pretend that he's really, really a smart guy who par- apparently can work in the Greek language. Let's see what he does.
5: The all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, came... And want you to know that you are highly favored
0: now here's I, I am really and by the way, he's a seeker driven guy, which means you know he's gone overboard to try to make sure there there are pagans, unregenerate unbelieving pagans there in the audience at a potential church, and he wants to convey to them without discussing the cross that they are highly favored in the eyes of God. Yeah, that was what we would call irresponsible. Interesting about this is that this
5: Greek word right here, used, uh, that's translated "highly favored," is only used two times in the whole Bible.
0: This is absolutely true. He what he's saying is is right. Uh, this this uh, Greek word, karitao, is only found twice here here in Luke, and then once in the Book of Ephesians. And here's what it means: to cause to be the recipient of a benefit, bestow favor on. Favor highly or to bless. That is one of the other ways in which the word can be used. Let's continue. It's used here in the book of Luke,
5: and it's used in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6.
0: Okay? Yes, it is. And let me read it to you in a good translation so that you can kind of see what's going on here. And we will go ahead and add the context. In fact, I need to open up an English translation. Hang on a second here. Ephesians 1. Here's what it said. I'll start at verse uh, 3. Here's what it said. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed there it is caritao he has blessed us in the beloved mm-hmm. yeah so um what's going on here you know god christ has blessed us god has blessed us in christ the first time this word appears in the book of luke caritao it means well favored that you have favor another another way in which it could be understood is to bless in this context It means that we have been blessed. That's what that word means in that context. But watch what Troy does. Now it's translated to a different English word,
5: but it's the same word. So we praise God for the glorious grace, or you could say we praise God for the glorious favor. And who is this favor for that he poured out on who? Who's us? Those who belong to the dear son, those who are Christ followers, those who will put their faith in God right there in Ephesians. The same word that is used for Mary is used for you. God says you are highly favored.
0: No, you're playing a word game in that context. Karitao means blessed, not highly favored. God is not saying of you, oh one who is favored. That is not what's going on there. You know, just like the word up has many different meanings depending on which the context it appears. For instance, I threw up. It means one thing, whereas opposed to I got up means a different thing. I use the word up in both sentences, but the context dictates that I'm using the word up to mean different things in each of those sentences. Same thing with this. In Even though this word only appears twice In the New Testament, the first time it appears, it's used in a context which means you are favored, highly favored of God. In the second context in which it appears, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, it means blessed. He's engaging in obfuscation in order to scratch itching ears.
5: You are accepted. I mean, that's incredible that what God says
0: about Mary, God says about me. That, no, no. actually, he doesn't. You're twisting God's word to make that happen. I am highly
5: favored. Now, you have to believe that. And sometimes that's difficult. Why? Because you know you. You know the stuff you think. Some of you are thinking it right now. All right? I mean, you, you, you know you. You know what you do that nobody else knows you do. That's why some of us are uncomfortable. I, you know what? It's awesome to get to be up here because I can see things that nobody thinks you can see. All right? I mean, I, I can see when <clears throat> people are very uncomfortable and they cross their arms. You, you do know there's such a thing as body language. And this right here says, leave me alone. Okay. This is put distance between me and you. I can see when you pick your nose. Okay. I can see when you look at your watch. All right. I can see when you go to sleep. I don't know why. The, it's usually the people at the front that sleep, but <laughs> you're going to sleep. At least go on the balcony. Okay. <clears throat> But the scripture is really clear on this. You are highly accepted. You. Not the person beside you. Not the person. You. You. And until you believe that, you will never completely trust
0: that God wants to do something special in your life. You will think that you have to cling. What? So until I believe that I am really, I'm highly favored, just like, you know, Mary, I'll never believe that God wants to do something special in my life. (sighs) Yeah. God's saving me from not being special. What are you talking about? Self up. You have to do something. No, no. God says you
5: are highly favored. You are accepted. Look at the person sitting beside you, would you? Look at them. Look deep into their eyes. If you're single, this is your opportunity. If you're married, make sure you look at your spouse, okay? All right, look at them. Look at them. Here's what I want you to say. Just repeat after me. You are
7: highly
0: favored. Now we're going to do it again, all right? Wow, I'm, apparently I'm amazing. I had no idea how amazing I was. I thought I was a sinner in need of a savior. Isn't that the reason why I need a savior? I mean,
5: that highly favored part's where you want to be romantic, okay? Here we go. You, come on, a little more passion. You are... Highly favored. That is
0: what the scripture says. And you got to grab a hold of that. No, actually it doesn't. You twisted God's word to make it say that. You have to
5: accept that. You have to know God says I am highly favored. It doesn't matter what my ex spouse has said about me. It doesn't matter what my supervisor says about me. It doesn't matter the sign that the guy on the highway gave next to me. God says I might not be able to drive, but I am highly favored. <laughs> I am accepted. Now, here's the next thing you might jot down. I jotted down in my journal is that you need to know you're the right person. This is the right time. And you are
0: in the right place. I'm the right person. This is the right time. I'm in the right So apparently Christmas is all about you discovering that you are about to embark on some grand, miraculous dream destiny thingy that God's, you know, and it's okay to have doubts. But you're highly favored, you know, just like Mary. And you're the right person at the right time in the right place. You are amazing. You might as well be the Messiah, you know. It's a complete weird retelling of the story of Christmas. You're the right person.
5: This is the right time. And you are in the right place. In verses 26 and 27, that's basically what he, the angel tells Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, which is a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was what? Mary. Mary. God calls her out. God didn't choose Mary by accident. God chose Mary intentionally. God knew Mary's name. He didn't say, hey, you. Hey, you. Come on over here. I'm going to do something in your life. He
0: didn't so, say, I mean, just like God knew Mary's name, he knows yours too because you are so important. Bro.
5: Come here, bro. All right. I don't know your name, but uh, you're a man, so you're a bro. Or sis. He says, Mary. Mary. Calls her by name. Did you know that The scripture also says that God has your name written in the palms of his hands.
0: Did you also know that? Yes, this is true. But the way you're ripping these verses out of context and you're not telling these people that they need a savior and that God has given us a savior in Christ and that they're sinners in need of repentance. You're basically based on this theology. They are basically just potential heroes and messiahs themselves. And the problem is, is they just don't understand how amazing they are. As opposed to how sinful they are in need of a savior. Scripture says
5: that God has collected all your tears in a bottle. The Bible also says that God has numbered all the hairs on your head. It also says that you are his. You're his sheep is it uh, the imagery the Bible uses. He knows you. And his sheep know him. God knows your name. Your name doesn't know us. He knows you. I remember when I was in, you know, uh, young and playing athletics. And at the end of every season, they would have an all-star team. If you were going to a tournament, they'd have like an all-conference or all-state or whatever team. And so you're sitting there and you're waiting to see if they're going to call your name. Now you're trying to act like you're not paying attention, okay? But you're waiting. And then all of a sudden, they call your name. You are an all-star. You are on the all-tournament team. Now, the first thing you have to do is act like you don't care.
0: So false humility, right? Yeah, check. All right,
5: but on the inside, you're like, that's my name. And when they give you a trophy, it doesn't say to whom it may concern. Well, that's, you, you don't want a trophy that says to who, no, it says Troy Grambling. Most of the time they put a B in my name and it doesn't have one, but it had Troy Grambling, my name. Now, as I have become an adult, the only people who know my name are the ones who call me trying to sell me something on the telephone. There's something special about our name. God knows your name. You're the right person. I don't know how many folks in this room know your name. I don't know how many folks watching online know your
0: name. So because the angel Gabriel knew Mary's name, I mean, that means, you know, wow. Yeah, God knows your name and he's got you and you're the right person for the right place at the right time. You, oh, wow. Yeah, the universe can't even continue without you until you understand how important you are.
5: I don't know how many people in your community know your name, but I do know this, that God knows your name. You are the right person. God didn't look around and say, man, I'm going to, I got to, who can I get to do this? Oh, Mary, she doesn't look like she's doing anything. No, no. God
0: created Mary for that task. And the same is true for you. So he, it's really not about the fact that, you know, Mary the Virgin gave birth to the Savior. no, 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 it, what's the important thing is is that well, God gave her a task, and just like God gave her, he's going to give you one too. It's probably as important may no you know you're you're so important, it'll even be more important than mary's task right He called you by name, He calls you by name, you are the right person, but not only are you the right. Person, You know, it's weird. Every time I read the Christmas narratives in, uh, in Luke, as well as in Matthew, I've never once found my name in those texts. Weird. This is the
5: right time in the scripture. It gives us the time. It says that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy.
0: Yeah, it, that was a historical na- narrative. And you know what that means? yeah six months after Elizabeth got pregnant with the, with uh, John the Baptist, that's when the angel Gabriel appeared. It has nothing to do with your life. It has everything to do with a time frame given in this historical narrative it's
5: in uh, Esther chapter four the The people of God are in big trouble. It looks like you know it's going to go really bad for them, and one of her relatives come to her and is like, you know you you can do something about this, Esther. You can become queen, and as queen, you can save us. You can save. I mean, we're, they're going to exterminate us. You can save us. And Esther's like, ah, uh, I don't know. And here, here, here's what the Bible says: Esther, you were made for such a time as this.
0: Uh huh. So apparently, the uh, you know, in the six month you know portion of the historical narrative there in Luke regarding <laughs> you know six months after Elizabeth was pregnant with the with John the Baptist. The cross-references from the book of Esther, you know, you were made for such a time as this. Right, yeah, so you are the focal point and purpose and the real story behind the Christmas story. I mean, in fact, I'm surprised, you know, based on how important you are, that, uh, that nativity scenes that are out there in city parks and in front of churches don't have the baby you. In it, you know, because you were made for such a time as this. That's because how important you are.
5: And I can say the same thing about you you were made. For such a time as this, in December in 2015, it's easy to think. You know what? If if it was just another time, you know, if we just had a little more time and I had a little more money, if if it was a, j- just a little bit later, couldn't a Mary said that? You know, come on, Angel, if you could have come a little later, and Joe and I had been together for a while and we had a better uh, relationship, maybe he, you know he could understand. Or why couldn't you have come earlier before I even met Joe, so I wouldn't have to deal with all of that? And God's like, no, no, this is the right time you're the right person and this is the right time this is your time you say troll you don't understand i don't have enough
0: money yeah no when it says the sixth month it has nothing to do with it being the right time for. oh this is the right oh you are the right person for the right time this is ridiculously narcissistic blasphemously so
5: This is your time. You were created for such a time as this with all that's going on in our world, with all that's going on in your life, with all that you've experienced in the past, you were created. This is the right time.
0: This is your time. This is your opportunity. This is your Christmas is all about you, 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 you moment. God knit, Oh, come, let us adore me. Right, yeah.
5: Gather in your mother's womb with everything you needed for this time. You're the right person. It's the right time. And, of course, you're in the right place. It says it was in that they were from Nazareth and uh, in Galilee. And, of course, Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem. There's another place in the New Testament that says, well, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Nobody would have thought Nazareth is the place from which the Messiah would come. And yet that is exactly the place.
0: uh, Because God, God doesn't do things randomly. Right. And so because God doesn't do things randomly and, you know, the Messiah was born in Nazareth, you, you know, you're not random and you're important. I mean literally taking every little aspect of the of the, any biblical text that he's even attempting to reference and then just twisting it and bending it and making it all about you.
5: He does things intentionally. You've heard that saying bloom where you're planted? Cuz there's no doubt in my mind that there's some of us here and because things aren't necessarily going the way that you had hoped you're thinking you're thinking about going to a different place, moving to a different town, starting a different job. I know for me, when I get discouraged.
0: Yeah, you know, because what, what Je- Jesus was from Nazareth. So, you know, you need to bloom where you're planted.
5: What on earth is this? <clears throat> My When I get discouraged, kind of feel, start feeling sorry for Troy. I get milk, Oreos, and then I watch Andy Griffith. All right. The Andy Some of you don't know what that show is, but it's uh, in black and white. And I just, I just kind of... And, and when I get discouraged, what I think is I think, you know what? I, I wish I was pastoring a church in Atlanta because everybody goes to church in Atlanta, all right? <laughs> you, you, they just get up and say, oh, where are we going to church? You know? They give their uh, offering in a, 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 a Atlanta. And then I talk to somebody from Atlanta and they're like, oh, it must be awesome to be in South Florida, you got the beach, and you got you know all the different kinds of food. It, it's so easy to think that if you were just somewhere else, things would be different. If if you were just doing something else,
0: right? Because Mary was thinking that all the time. You know, if only I weren't in Nazareth. If you know, only I were in Bethlehem. You know, Whew. this is nonsense.
5: I just want to say to you today that I don't think that it's by accident that you're here this Christmas.
0: Now this is manipulation. This guy has a megachurch, and he is incapable of lucid, exegetical thought.
5: You can have a Merry Christmas, and you can have a Merry Christmas right where you are, because you
0: are the right person,
5: this is the right time,
0: and you are in the right place. God, And none of that has anything to do with the announcement and uh, the birth of our Savior and the incarnation of God, who has humbled himself and born of the Virgin Mary to do something incredible right where you are in the neighborhood
5: in which you live in the city in which you live in the place in which you work in the time in which you were born God wants to do something last thing take us a while to get to this last thing but it's the last thing and it's the most difficult part as you have to then act in faith
0: See, that's the- yeah, you got to act in faith that you're the bee's knees and, you know, that you're the right person for the right time and the right place. Right. So many
5: people never get to the action part. Right. They tell us that over 80% of people who write down their goals accomplish their goals. Uh,
0: so we need to write down our goals so that we can be the right person at the right place at the right time. Yeah, so we can act in faith because... You know, the story of the birth of Christ, it's really about you.
5: And yet, how many of us write down our goals? Right? We never get to the action step. So, well, let's look at the text. Look at how Mary responds. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. And then Mary says, may your word to
0: me be fulfilled. Mary- yeah, may it be, may it be done to me as you have said. Right. So then, what did Mary do in order to become pregnant? Answer, nothing. She just believed the word of the Lord. She didn't act pregnant. She didn't go out and go, oh, I better start buying maternity clothes so that I, so I can show God that I'm serious about you know his promise to me that I'm going to get pregnant even though I'm a virgin.
5: What is this? says, you know what? I don't understand it all. I haven't got it all figured out. I don't know how in the world it's going to happen. I'm a virgin, but I do believe this, that you are God. And so I'm going to surrender myself to you. I'm your servant and I'm going to act and I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to act. So, you know, what's so dangerous about hearing the truth is then you're responsible for it. Good intentions don't get us very far. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are planning on beginning a diet January the 2nd? All right. January the 2nd, right? Isn't this the awesomest time of the year? Because you don't have to feel guilty about not being on a diet. Because it would be un-American to not, you know, to be on a diet during the holidays. You got to eat the cookies and you got to eat the pies. January the 2nd. Right. And knowing that you have weeks between now and January the second, you can get fired up about your diet. Can't you? Some of you have already begun to talk to other people about the diet. You're going to begin January the second. You're buying books about the diet. You're going to begin January the second. You even went to the grocery store. And then January the second gets here and you're like, well, you know, we still got to take down the decorations. Uh, and <clears throat> You know, I hate to throw away the turkey and, you know, we'll, 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 February, you know, because because we don't want to rush into this. Could be bad for the body. Let's just kind of gradually get ourselves ready, February. But then you get to February and it's Valentine's day. And can you really love the one, you know, uh, go out, you know, on Valentine's day and have salad, just not romantic. And before you know it, we're back here, Christmas of 2016. And you're excited again about the diet. You're going to begin on January the 2nd. Now you're 20 pounds heavier. But you're excited about that. Good intentions, they just don't get us there. Some of us do that same thing spiritually, right? You've got all these plans and
0: you've got all these thoughts. So, again, I ask what exactly did Mary do in order to become pregnant with Jesus? Mm hmm. You know, you've got the Bible
5: downloaded on your iPad, you've got to just never act
0: in faith mary acted i don't get it she said yeah how did she act again she just said may be done to me as you have said how what was her action again she just believed and i've got some
5: fear and i don't know how in the world it's going to happen and i even have some doubt that but i'm going to trust you you're god And as crazy as this sounds, and even though Joe's not going to understand at the beginning and throughout my life, they're going to think that he is illegitimate. I'm still going to trust you. And do you think that when you one day get to heaven, if you're a Christ follower, that Mary will regret that decision? Do you think that you ever talk to anybody who steps out in faith that regrets that they made that decision? Now, here's the great thing about the Bible is that God doesn't just say act in faith in the life of Mary. He did some things to help her. And I think what helped her will help you as well. The first thing God did is he encouraged her with a messenger, be encouraged by a messenger. Let's see the messenger that encourages Mary, but the angel, you know what the word angel literally means messenger.
0: So the mess- so the messenger didn't bring a message. He, he came to encourage her regarding her acting in faith. This doesn't make any exegetical sense at all. It's Troy Grambling basically taking his false theology and imposing it on this text. The messenger said
5: to Mary, and I want you to see these words of confidence as we read through this. The angel, the messenger, says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will, not maybe, not if, you will conceive. And you're going to give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. Not maybe, not might. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. The the messenger came and spoke confidence of encouragement
0: or words of encouragement. That, those were not confidence of encouragement words. Those were statements of God's word. And because God said it, that had to happen. This was not to encourage her to do anything. Just to believe. Encouragement Into the life of Mary.
5: Well, did you know? That in my calling as a pastor, the Bible
0: says that I
4: uh,
0: am a messenger. You go to the- yes, this is true. And at this point, you're a messenger of Satan because you're not preaching God's word correctly and proclaiming Christ and calling these people to repent and to be forgiven of their sins. Revelation, and it talks about
5: the guarding angel of these congregations. It's talking about the pastors of those congregations. I am a messenger in my calling, in my position, a messenger of of God. That's what I tell my wife all the time. You need to do what I say. I'm a messenger of the Lord. Okay. (laughs) I do believe that God brought you here so that I could give you this message.
0: This is not a message from God because you're wrongly handling The written word of God.
5: That you are the right person. You are in the right place and this is the right time. You are the one. You are the one, not the person behind you, not the person.
0: You are the one, not Christ. You are the one. To you be all the glory. You are the one. That dream that's inside
5: of your heart, that destiny that seems impossible, you are the one. You are the one.
0: God knows your name. He knows the chair that you're sitting. You're the Messiah, dude. Yeah, this is doctrines of Antichrist. He's creating little Antichrists there at a Potential Church. He knows the argument that you're having
5: with me right now, but he wants you to know you are the one. This is the time you are in the right place. You just have to act. You just have to step out and trust him.
0: Trust him that I am so wonderful. Right. Yeah, I'm the problem. That's why I need a savior. If I was so great, why do I need Christ to bleed and die for my sins? Be encouraged.
5: Be encouraged. God loved you enough to get you here somehow. Maybe because that's what you do.
0: You're faithful. It's not that God loved you enough to send his son to bleed and die for your sins. No, God loved you enough to somehow cause you to, you know, find your way to potential church. Wow. Yeah, because God wanted you to know just how amazing you are. You are the one. You're Neo from the Matrix. You're, you're the chosen one. Maybe because somebody invited you.
5: Maybe because you made a wrong turn. I don't know how you got here, but I do know this. Nothing happens unintentionally. God is sovereign, which means he is in control. He didn't bring you here so you could get hit over the head with a hammer, telling you that you're not the right one or that you're not the right person. He brought you here to remind you.
0: Yeah, God didn't bring you there to hear that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. No way! God would never want you to hear that. He wants you to hear that you, you are the one. Right. I mean, yeah, we got to change all the Christmas carols and make them about you now. There's something special about
5: you. You're favored and you were knit together in your mother's womb and you've been through what you've been through. And no matter how challenging it might have been, God's not going to waste it. Instead, he's going to build upon it and he's going to do something. But you have to act. You have to step out. So she was encouraged by a messenger. But then she was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says. She asked the same question you're asking right now. Look at what, what she asked. How in the world is this going to happen?
0: Yeah, how can this be? How can I be so amazing? Please tell me how it's possible that I've gone through all of these years of my life not even realizing how important I am. How in the world
5: is this going to happen? Do you know my circumstances? The angel answered. Here's how it's going to happen. And what was the angel's answer? The what? The Holy Spirit.
0: So just like the Holy Spirit, you know, helped Mary achieve her dream destiny thingy. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's there because you're the one. He's going to help you. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is God. It's part of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy
5: Spirit. And then the Scripture says... In the New Testament, in the book of Corinthians says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, the Holy Spirit dwells in you once you trust Christ. So when you step into a situation, God steps into that situation with you as a Christ follower because he dwells within you. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy that that spirit is not a spirit of fear. It's not a spirit that trembles. No, it's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of love, and it's a spirit of self-discipline. The word power is the Greek word for which we get the English word dynamite.
0: Yeah, no, actually, that's not correct.
5: In other words, inside of you is the dynamite that will bring the explosion of the destiny that's inside of your heart. Hmm. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so inside of you is the dynamite that's going to cause the explosion of your destiny. Right, yeah. Weird. If this is really uh, what Christianity is about, and what really what the story of Christmas is about, why is it that nobody has ever talked like this in Christianity until now? This is a false theology, a doctrine of demons designed to take your eyes off of Christ and put them squarely on you. Act. You you got to You got to step out in faith, trusting
5: that what the scripture says about you and about who God is will be a reality. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Christ who liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I am dead, but in my death, Christ lives through me. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit. How is this going to happen? How is this impossibility ever going to take place? It's going to happen because I'm not the one that's going to do it. It is the God in
0: me, the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, it's not about you know, married, you know, the virgin giving birth to Christ. this It's about you, uh, you know, having the explosion of your dream destiny thingy happening in your life. What happened to Mary is really incidental. It doesn't even matter if she lived or died or if she, she's just a myth. It, this is all pointing to you, dude. You're the one. Actually going to bring it about.
5: In this kind of situation, they went to Jesus and they asked him about it. They said, how's it going to happen? Jesus said, you know what? With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible.
0: Yes. Yeah, so Jesus was saying all things are possible regarding your impossible destiny. Right. That's not what Jesus was saying at all. When Jesus said with man, it's impossible. He's talking about salvation. Can you
5: have a Merry Christmas? M-E-R-R-Y? Yes, you can. Because what God did for Mary,
0: he will do for you. He <sighs> No, he won't, and I'm not getting pregnant. Nope, that ain't happening.
5: Wants to do for you, and he brought me to encourage you, but the Holy Spirit to empower you. You, not us, but you. He says you got to act though. You got to act. The Holy Spirit's there, but you have to act. And then the other thing I jotted down in my journal here is, God didn't even leave it there. He inspired Mary with other people. Look with the text. Even Elizabeth,
0: right? He's, 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 yeah. Elizabeth was there to inspire, you know, Mary, you know, onto her acting and faithfulness kind of thing, which obviously was the reason why she was able to get pregnant, right? Yeah. None of this makes any sense at all, Mary. Mary,
5: it's going to happen. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child, and she's old. <laughs> she's been said to be unable to conceive. And look at her, Mary. You've seen the bump. She's six months pregnant. That's why she wanted the pickles. She's six months pregnant. What did he says, Mary, look around. You know why we share all the stories that we share about the difference that God's making in people's lives. You know why we share the stories about marriages that are brought back together. You know why we share the stories about how God blesses people financially, how God heals their body how God restores their relationship with their children or opens up a new opportunity for them. Do you know why we share those? So that you will be encouraged that what God did for them, he will do for you. Because the book of Acts says that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't choose to do for one person what he won't do for another. So when I see that story, I am encouraged because I am reminded
0: that God will do that. In- so rather than listening to what the story does say, This is what God has done for you. Instead, you read yourself into the story and you think it is about you. It's not. It's about Christ. This man could not be farther from the truth. He could not be leading these people farther away from Christ if he were trying.
5: My life is well. I just have to act. See that? That's the most difficult part as a pastor, because every weekend I come out here and basically here's what I say, no matter what the teaching is, as I say, you know, God wants to bless you and he's blessing right over there. He's blessing right over there. And so sometimes I'm like, you know what? You just need to move your relationship over there and he'll bless it. Look at it. It's just pouring out. There's somebody telling the story about how they've been blessed. Sometimes it's like, you know what? God wants to bless your finances. You hear those three stories? They did. You just got to move over there. God wants to bless your business. God God wants to bless. Scott. so many times we're like, not today. God, you do something, then I'll move. And we miss it. Because we don't act. Got to act. Got to step out in faith. It's okay to say, God, I don't understand. I don't know how. But I'm going to step out in faith.
0: Yeah, you just got to be obedient. You got to go do the thing that God, so that you can be blessed. You have a blessed business, a blessed marriage, a blessed whatever, right? Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel, that would be a messenger of the Lord, appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, The way Troy Grambling is telling the story, glory to you in the highest. You who are most favored, you just need the explosion of the dynamite that will blow up your destiny thingy and through the Holy Spirit. You just, you got to understand, you are the one. See the difference? The real story of Christmas is that you need a Savior, because if you didn't, God wouldn't have sent you one. And that's what he sent. He himself born of the Virgin Mary, the Son of God, come to earth to live a perfectly sinless life and then die as a sinner because your sins were laid upon him while he was suffering. Think about that. We continue. What Mary did because she was encouraged by a messenger.
5: She was inspired by what God was doing in other people's lives. And then the last thing that I jotted down in my journal is she was influenced by God's word. Look what the angel says. For no word from God will ever fail. What a promise. No word from God will ever fail. Here's what that means it means that the moment God speaks, the Holy Spirit is released to accomplish it. No word. Nothing returns vain. No word. So that's when we read in Ephesians 2.10 that we're God's masterpiece and that he's created incredible destiny for us before we were ever born. We can know God hasn't spoken anything that he's not going to bring about. When we read that God has a plan for us, and the plan that He has for us is not one that's bad or evil, but it's one that's good. It's one to
0: prosper us. We can believe that God's not only said that in His Word, but that He has released. The so whole- notice now He's taken verses out of context, strung them together, and this is his theology coming out now that is not based on anything sound. A complete twisting of God's word. These are the slogans He tells himself, and he thinks that Christianity is about all of these things, and it's not. It's about what Christ has done for you. It's not about you achieving a dream destiny.
5: Spirit to bring it about in our lives. That God's word. Is reliable. And trustworthy. The question is, will you act on it? I mean, when it comes down, it comes back to the idea that it's not about our intentions. It's about whether or not we're willing to act. I don't know what area of your life the Holy Spirit's kind of been nudging your heart. Some of you, you you know. You know what I mean? The whole time I've been talking, you've been arguing with me about it. You've been arguing with God, maybe. Or maybe you've been saying, yeah, I need to. Maybe it's baptism. You need to step out and you need to trust him. You need to be obedient.
0: Uh, Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy spirit is now descending on the audience as they choose to make decisions, you know, to step out in faith and realize that they are the one.
5: Stop worrying about the making sure it's the right time and making sure all the right people can be there. And you stop worrying about, you know, what am my family going to think? You're not dissing something. Your parents started, you're completing what they began. It's an answer to the prayer that they had that day that you were baptized. And ultimately You've got to trust Him anyways. Would He ever ask you to do something that He wouldn't be involved in? You don't get baptized because it's a church idea or because a pastor asks you to. You get baptized because that's what the Scripture tells us to do. Do I understand it? No, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the supernatural, uh, spiritual aspect of walking into some water and putting on the God jersey. All I know is what Mary knew. Jesus, you. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> so, baptism is putting on the God's jersey. Where is he getting that?
5: Asking me to do it, and so I'm going to act on it. Maybe it's baptism, maybe it's serving. And you just uh, God's nudging your heart and you're like, man, I, I don't have time. You got all these, but God's tapped you on the shoulder. And the answer to the question you keep asking will be found in serving. It's all the solutions already provided. Did you know that the person that you need to meet so that your business can get off the ground is actually serving in the ministry that God's nudged your heart to be a part of? And every day a week you're praying.
0: You're like, God, really? Yeah. the thing I need to help my business really, really that, that, how are you saying that with any authority? Got to do this. God, you got to do this. He's like, I've already done it.
5: You just need to act. You just need to move. Maybe it's greatest gift. Maybe you've never been obedient in the area of finances of your life. You know what the scripture says, but you've convinced yourself it's for somebody else. It's for some other time. And God says, I'm blessing right there. But you have to decide whether you're going to act upon that scripture it says, whatsoever a man sows, he, so does he also reap. The same way in which we give, so do we also receive.
0: So now the, his false teaching regarding tithing.
5: Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's a promotion that you need to take. That you've been putting off. Because you're not sure that you're ready. Maybe it's a business that you need to start. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. And so Troy, you don't understand I don't want to downplay what has happened to you, but I do want you to be obedient to what God's nudging your heart to do because that forgiveness that you give to someone else may bring about the very healing that you need so badly. Maybe you need to apologize.
0: Maybe you need to humble yourself. I don't know what it is, but you do. Maybe you need to get a... Bible commentary. Maybe you need to step down as pastor until you've actually studied and shown yourself approved as somebody who can actually rightly handle God's word. And the question is, will you act? And
5: I, I can't leave it there. I got to ask you to do the next step. So if you pull out that little communication card, that, that little pink card, would you go ahead and pull that out? Okay. Just everybody pull it out. That's an action in and of itself. Isn't it so, it's so hard to act, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, right now, even this little, just, ah, where's that card? What I do with it? I don't have one. Pull it out. I want you to pull it out. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Because I I, I just can't, I I can't, I can't leave without you making a decision. Because you're going to make one. All right? Is it whatever it is that God has... Nudge your heart about acting upon. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's a relation. I don't know what it is, but you do. If you're at a point where you're saying, you know what? I don't understand it and I'm fearful, but I'm going to act upon it. I just want to challenge you to write it down on the back of that card. You don't have to tell a whole story. Just write down something so we can pray for you. Most importantly, it's the first step in acting. It's the first step in action. And it's the reason that that step of just writing something down is the one. It's the bit in our minds. We tell ourselves that we're going to do something that in our actions, we never accomplish. This is a mo- Listen, this is an important moment. Because you're making a decision. It's not about the card. There's nothing we're going to be able to do with the cards other than pray for you. It's about whether or not you're serious about the next step in your life. Whether or not, like Mary, you're serious about surrendering to him. So just bow your head, and I want to give you a few moments just to write down whatever it is. And then I'm going to pray for us.
0: Yeah, done. Yeah, there's no way to recover there. You know. Um, When you make the Bible about you, you are completely in the dark. You might as well be blind. And that's an example of what Scripture warns us about, about the blind leading the blind. These people heard, you know, biblical names. You know, a portion of Scripture was read to them, and then they were pointed to themselves rather than to Christ. This. Is blasphemous. It's satanic. It's so wrong. It's not I mean it's there's no words, you know, or even metaphors that I can bring here that really talk about the magnitude of what it is that you've just heard. This comes all the way from the bottom of the pit of hell, straight through the mouth of Troy Grambling, then vomited out on the audience there. Rather than hearing what they needed to hear. The God has sent a Savior to save us. Repent, be forgiven, and rejoice in the mercy and forgiveness of God. No, you're the man, is what they heard instead. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What did you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at com. or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, by carrying death on the cross, for all your sins. Amen.